0: don't remember when it occurred, but I can tell you that I went home early and I took Boogie for a walk and I had this horrible headache. And I called my mom and I said, I have the worst headache in the world. And she said, you're having a stroke. I thought, no, people that have strokes are old. I'm not having a stroke. I heard the tape later after my aneurysm and when I got back home and I'm screaming and wailing. My aneurysm was rupturing and I called the the 911 and said, I have the worst headache on the planet. And apparently first responders were trained to, when they heard first headache on the planet or worst headache ever, they knew that was stroke aneurysm, kind of a neurological emergency. I was bleeding all over my brain. And when they did the CAT scan, they couldn't figure out where the bleed was. But when, once they got in, they clipped, it was like a hose that was bleeding. And once they clipped and stopped the bleeding, I had what's called a vasospasm. And that's when all the vessels started to have a spasm and it caused a stroke. Takes a long physical therapy. I mean, I've been in physical therapy for 16 years since my aneurysm ruptured, a lot of hard work a lot of work, but it's a lot of persistence and repeating and repeating repeating.
1: Hello, this is Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. An aneurysm is a bulge in a blood vessel caused by a weakness in the blood vessel wall. As the blood passes through that weakened section, the pressure causes a small area to bulge outwards like a balloon. Aneurysms can develop in any blood vessel in the body, but the two most common places are the heart and the brain. In this episode, we'll hear from Janet Sutherland from Westmont in Illinois. Janet suffered a stroke at the age of 38.
0: For 10 years, I was a radio reporter in Chicago, so life was quite stressful and busy, I covered politics, state politics in Chicago. It was stressful. I would drink 10 cups of coffee a day, and I would get up at 4 a.m. and get to work around 8 a.m. and race around every day, decide what the top story would be every day. And, you know, I would anchor news and then race around Chicago and cover stories, and, of course, I smoked some cigarettes. (laughs) And... You know, it didn't take quite the best care of my health, which probably didn't help me as I did not realize I had this aneurysm in my head. Doctors believe I had the aneurysm in my head from birth. So it was a crazy, chaotic lifestyle, but I enjoyed it. And I did it until I was in my, I think I turned 30 and I thought, I don't think I can do this until I'm 50 because I was, When you're a radio reporter, you're carrying heavy equipment, you know, radio microphones and cords and whatnot. So I thought, I cannot do this anymore. So I decided to change careers and I went into radio sales and I moved to Columbus, Ohio. And that is where I suffered my brain aneurysm. And the interesting thing about that was right before my brain aneurysm, I started to trip and fall and I always had headaches. I would say, Four months before my ruptured brain aneurysm, I had headaches and I was taking aspirin and Tylenol constantly, and I would go in for antibiotics because I had sinus infections. And I kept saying to my doctor, I'm having these headaches and these sinus infections, and it just kept giving me antibiotics. No one ever it never occurred to anyone that perhaps I had a brain aneurysm because I didn't know I had a history of it, because I was adopted. So I continue to take four and five aspirin every day for four months prior to my ruptured brain aneurysm. So at that point, I continued to take these Tylenol and Aspirin, and I was in radio sales at this time, and my co-workers kept saying, should I really be taking all these Aspirin and all these Tylenol? I thought, I have a sinus infection. Not a big deal, you know? So that's how my lifestyle was. I was in radio sales, taking Tylenol and Aspirin, and didn't think much of it. I don't remember when it occurred but I can tell you that I went home early, took Boogie for a walk, and I had this horrible headache. And I called my mom and I said, I have the worst headache in the world. And she said, you're having a stroke. I thought, no, people that have strokes are old. I'm not having a stroke. So being a reporter, knowing all about 911 and knowing about paramedics and you know, first responders, i I, apparently, my headache got worse. I don't remember after my aneurysm. I did get the 911 tape, but I, I've i been told that I called 911. I took the, brought the dog back in to my apartment and hung up with my mom on the phone. I heard the tape later after my aneurysm and when I got back home, and I'm screaming and wailing. My aneurysm was rupturing. And I called the the 911 and said, I have the worst headache on the planet. And apparently, first responders were trained to, when they heard first headache on the planet or worst headache ever, they knew that was stroke aneurysm, kind of a neurological emergency. And they quickly got to my house, and the 911 operator said, Open the door, open your apartment door, unlock the door. So they came in and I did talk to the paramedic after this happened. He said they were trained to recognize strokes and aneurysms, and they got me to the hospital. And then my dad and my parents flew in. The doctor said, we knew there was a blood spill. It was just a horrible spill. When they did a CAT scan, all they could see was a bleed. They needed to get me to the trauma center and do a CAT scan and stop the bleeding. So they did. And they did emergency surgery that was 10 hours long, and I had a 3% chance to live. And when they went in to clip the ruptured brain aneurysm, an aneurysm, by the way, is a balloon in the vessel, and I was bleeding all over my brain. And when they did the CAT scan, they couldn't figure out where the bleed was. But once once they got in, they clipped, it was like a hose that was bleeding. And once they clipped and stopped the bleeding, I had what's called a vasospasm and that's when all the vessels started to have a spasm and it caused a stroke. And my whole left side was paralyzed and I was blind as well. The deficits from my stroke was the left side was weakened. And then also I lost my vision from my both eyes because the blood went behind my the eyeballs. <laughs> that's the non-medical term. I was in a coma for three weeks. And that's how I survived, eventually. And I wrote a book called Nose Over Toes, and that's, most stroke survivors know what that means. You put your nose over your toes and you push up out of your chair. Any physical therapist knows that's the the kind of the trigger, the key word to prompt yourself out of your chair. I eventually survived.
1: Although Janet's stroke was 2004, she continues to work on her physical recovery
0: takes a long physical therapy. I mean, I've been in physical therapy for 16 years since my aneurysm ruptured. A lot of hard work. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of persistence and repeating and repeating and repeating. And then you eventually will get there, but you got to give it time. And my dad, who helped me write this book, because he kept a journal. He knew that I wouldn't remember anything. So he kept a journal from the phone call until I got out of my wheelchair until I got home. And that was very helpful because I didn't realize how long it took. He basically wanted everyone to know that you got to give yourself time and be really patient as you work in physical therapy. And don't give up. Give yourself time. And that's what he thinks caregivers need to know. Give yourself time. Listen to your physical therapist. And, you know, don't let yourself think that it's going to be two months, three months. Everyone is different. You need to be very patient. And know that it gets better. I was blind and I was paralyzed. And I was very confused. But I am here and I am able to walk. I'm able, I wrote two books. I lobby now for more money for research. And I can walk and talk and read. And everyone needs to just be patient. My first book is called Nose Over Toes. The beginning is about my aneurysm. People kept telling me when I started writing it, you need to have an outline. Well, let me tell you. It was really hard to piece things together when you don't remember. Well, I used my dad's journal to write the entire book. And at the back, is, it's really information from the Brain Aneurysm Foundation, but any stroke survivor can use it. It's information about emotional challenges from the Brain Aneurysm Foundation to, you know, information for recovery and actually information to like departments for disability how to write to departments and in the United States, but anywhere that you need, you know, any good resource that you need. It's supposed to be an inspirational book, but also kind of a resource. So that's that book. And then it's about a corgi. It's called Andrew J., the Corgi Who Rescued Me. This dog I adopted after Bogey died while I was in the hospital. And so I adopted another corgi called Andrew J., And he helped me recover from my aneurysm. When I was able to walk, I rescued him. He's a rescue corgi. And he would remind me to take my seizure meds. And anytime I didn't feel good, he would kind of, you know, get up, get moving. And he would boost my spirits. And I wrote this book with pictures of Andrew J. And I donated the money to the Brain Aneurysm Foundation and to a corgi rescue group. So this is my book. It's available on Amazon.com. My other book is available on noseovertoes.com and Amazon.com. So I've been busy. That's kind of how I dealt with my aneurysm.
1: 16 years after suffering her stroke, Janet remains as determined as ever and used her stroke experience to write a book. Coming up in Stroke Stories, Janet on finding inspiration from her mother.
0: Both of my parents died in the last few years, so I had the chance of talking to my mom about what am I going to do with nothing left, with no work? And she said, I think you need to go out and volunteer and help people.
1: And exercising during the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: My husband said, we just have to keep moving because that's what the doctors are always saying to us, just saying to me, keep moving. So what I decided to do was start walking and eating healthy. And so my husband and I would take the dog and I would walk. I started walking two miles a day. I lost 47 pounds.
1: Let's hear how Janet returned to work after her stroke.
0: I did go back to my work in radio sales for a while. Then I realized that my my parents and my family would come back to Ohio where I was recovering and I recovered enough to go back to work. And I did that for a while. And then I realized how when my parents moved back to take care of me and they kept coming back to Ohio for the holidays. And my parents were getting in their 80s. And I thought, not fair to them. So I got well enough to go back to work in Chicago. And I worked and worked into back into radio syndication. I did that for a while. And I went back into more stressful jobs. And I just thought I should probably kind of hang up you know, hang my coat up on that kind of career. And I managed to be very successful in marketing and in radio syndication sales jobs. And I finally thought, I started to have some other health issues. And I thought I I was great at what I did, but it, I really couldn't handle stress. It was affecting my health. So I decided to stop working and start to write and start to um, raise money and do um, fundraising. And, and then when I started to write these books, started speaking. And those are the things that I could afford to do. And so I'm not working anymore. I'm just writing books and I'm selling my books and doing speaking engagements now. I can afford to do that. So they're motivating me. And um, now the speaking engagements are Zoom-wise because of COVID. And both of my parents died in the last few years. So I had the chance of talking to my mom about what am I going to do with Nothing left with no work. And she said, I think you need to go out and volunteer and help people. I said, okay. So, literally, with no COVID now, I thought, well, I'll just join groups and just do speaking via Zoom and do what she thought I should do. And that's going out and doing speaking engagements and volunteering and helping people. She loved the book and she thought I should do more book engagements and speaking engagements. And that's really my parents have raised me to do things like that. So, that's what I'm going to do.
1: Janet managed her anxieties caused by the pandemic by taking up walking.
0: I'm married to a nurse, Kevin, that's my husband. And he, when COVID kicked in, I started to just get really frightened. So my husband said, we just have to keep moving because that's what the doctors are always saying to us. Just saying to me, keep moving. So what I decided to do was start walking and eating healthy And so my husband and I would take the dog and I would walk. I started walking two miles a day. I lost 47 pounds and I'm just walking, walking, walking. And now that it's cold out, we bought this little exercise machine that I use every day, still maintaining the weight off, which is a miracle in the United States during the cold weather and during the holidays with all the eating we do. And I'm just trying to walk and keep healthy. That's a challenge in itself, but just walking and exercising. And that's the main thing that I'm trying to continue to do. And that's what everyone should be doing. Just keep moving because I can't just sit around. That is the worst thing you can do. Just sit around, keep moving, talking, doing these kinds of engagements. And that's the best thing.
1: She's also working hard to raise awareness around stroke.
0: September in Illinois is Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month. So we already are planning like maybe walks in September, We do a lot of fundraisers in September. We try to get buildings in Chicago lit up in red because that's the color for Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month. And then in March, we're going to do a virtual lobbying with lawmakers to try and get lawmakers to pass a bill to increase research funds for brain aneurysms. Because brain aneurysms is sorely unfunded by the federal government. So we're going to try and get them to fund brain aneurysms for more research. And we're going to do that virtually. So that's a new thing because we cannot go to Washington. My father would say, do not give up. Do not be discouraged. It takes quite some time for the recovery. Don't put like a number on it. It's been a year. The doctor told us it's going to be two years. That's not the way it works. It takes a time. It takes some time, so be patient. Just be very patient. That's for the caregiver and you know, get involved, but just be very patient. For the survivor, you're not alone. You're not the only one out there, you're not alone. And there's a lot of, in terms of walking devices, there's a lot out there that's available. So know that there's, um, in terms of stroke, there's a lot of research out there that's being done for strokes. And I've been involved in webinars with doctors, and there there's a lot of research that's being done, and there's a lot of hope for strokes.
1: Janet's drive and her positivity is an inspiration. She's vowed to dedicate her time to lobbying for more funding for stroke research and to spread awareness of stroke and its impact on survivors. Please do subscribe to Stroke Stories and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and you have a story to share, please do contact via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.